Altogether wonderful, altogether lovely. That describes my Lord. To start off today's uh, teaching, I've asked the sound people to play us a YouTube song, and I want us to look at the at the words and meditate on them, and let it reach your heart with the message. Yeah. 
together, Father, to hear your word, yes. to learn, Father, that we must be the light, that we must be the salt. Father, help me to deliver this message in the powerful way that you gave it to me, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. People need the Lord, folks. Nothing drove that home to me more than as I sat in the prayer tent during our fall festival last Saturday. As I sat there, no one was even looking in my direction to the prayer tent. So I began to pray for all the people that were milling about. I said, Lord... They need you, Lord, and, and, and they look all right to me, Father, but I know that there are people there, Father, that need, to, that need you, Lord. I need you. So, Father, please send the ones that you've made an appointment to see me. In Jesus' name, I prayed. And then started, people started walking in. Over the course of the event, I had the opportunity to pray for at least Six people. I prayed for a mother in a desperate situation, raising several kids without the father being around. I prayed for another mother whose heart was breaking, and you could see by the tears running down her cheeks for an 18-year-old daughter that was going astray and was out of control. I prayed for another man that was trying so hard to serve God, but he was under such a financial strain that it was putting a strain in his relationship. And I was glad for the message that Brother Jinho brought evangelism. And as he concluded and he asked people to raise their hands to receive the Lord, I saw several hands but Teresa and I were sitting in the tent and we saw this young man away where nobody could see him. He raised his hand. He needed the Lord. I saw him and, and I was going to go talk to him and as he walked away, I saw him hug Pastor Mike. So I went over there and I said, Michael, that, that young man just raised his hand so he could follow through. Michael says, I'm familiar with that young man. And he told me his history. He was living in a crack house. Without parents and with a grandmother that was drinking day and night. It was better for him to be living in a crack house here in Durham. Yes, folks, there's crack houses here in Durham. I guess the pain got so much for this young man that he checked himself into the foster care system in Durham and somehow he ended up at Bethel. People need the Lord. Yes. 
And there are thousands of people in that same situation just right here in Durham alone. They're in such great need. They're in your neighborhood. They're at the grocery store. They're at your workplace. They're at the mall. They look fine. They walk around with this I'm doing fine mask. But suffering inside. And it's up to the church. It's up to you and me to bring them the good news. The good news that there is power in the blood of Jesus. The good news to let them know that no matter what, Jesus loves them. People need the Lord. The overall mission of the church in, in general, and more specific for you and I, it follows a cycle of sorts. We are to go, we are to evangelize, we are to make disciples, we are to plant churches. And then the process begins again. This church, Bethel Christian Center, began as a prayer group in someone's home. And out of that prayer group, God raised the pastor to start a church. God continued to bless, and here we are today in this marvelous facility, staffed by anointed men and women of God doing great work for the kingdom of God. All because a group of people prayed. And now we have evangelistic teams going out into the community. We have anointed teachers and ministers that are discipling. We have a couple of small groups, but we're going to need to bolster them and we're going to need to start a few more groups to disciple and maybe even plant a couple of churches. Did you know that between here and the Virginia border, there's only Henderson has the only Pentecostal church? There's a need. Right before leaving this earth and ascending to sit at the right hand of the Father, Jesus Christ gathered his disciples and gave them this command that is found in Matthew 28. Verse 18, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You see, people, I'll repeat it, people need the Lord. People in the poorest neighborhoods of Durham need the Lord. People in the richest mansions of Chapel Hill need the Lord. They need the Lord. And we are commanded, commanded to go and make them disciples. 
In my research for this message, I found a real interesting statement that explains a lot of what is going on in our churches and why it is so difficult to get people to evangelize and to get people out there to receive. Dr. Steve Turley is speaking on what he calls the privatization of our faith. Christianity, I quote, as a whole has become radically privatized in our modern secular age. And thus, what Jesus means to me personally is far more significant than what the church is teaching or what Jesus means to the historical church. What he is saying that is, that is our churches have been infiltrated by relativism. Relativism is a thinking that there is no right or there is no wrong. As long as you don't hurt anybody, everything is okay. So if you carry this line of thinking to its conclusion, there is no absolute truth then. And if there is no absolute truth, then there is no God. I continue quoting. A privatized faith actually becomes the space that actually perpetuates very subjective sensibilities. Subjective is a term that means that we get to decide what truth is in our own minds. If it feels good, then do it. It's all right. There's nothing new in that line of thinking, folks. The, the book of Judges in the Old Testament ends with this line. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. I can imagine a tear in God's eyes. Because in essence... His people, his chosen people were telling God, we don't need you to tell us what to do. One more quote and I'll move on. I found this at carm.org, a Christian apologetics site. It says, with the rejection of God and Christianity in particular, absolute truth is being abandoned. Our pluralistic society wants to avoid the idea that there is really a right and wrong. This is evidence in our deteriorating justice system that has more and more trouble punishing criminals. There's no right or no wrong. Why are we going to punish them? Or in our entertainment media, which continues to push the envelope of immorality, immorality and indecency. In our schools, which teach evolution and social tolerance and so on. You've heard it. Isabel comes home and she says, my teachers tell me that evolution is true and if you argue with you, she'll fail you. In addition... The plague of moral relativism is encouraging everyone to accept homosexuality, pornography, fornication, and a host of other sins that were once considered wrong, but are now being accepted and even promoted in society. 
It is becoming so pervasive that if you speak out against moral relativism and its anything-goes philosophy, you are labeled as an intolerant bigot. Of course, he continues to say, this is incredibly hypercritical of those who profess all points of view are true, yet reject those who profess absolutes and morality. It seems that what is really meant by moral act, real, uh, relativists is that all points of view are true except the views that teach moral absolutes or that teach an absolute God or absolute right and wrong. That's not tolerated. Some typical expressions that reveal an underlying presupposition of relativism are comments such as, that's your truth, not mine. Or, it's true for you, but not for me. And there are no absolute truths. That's what they're selling, folks. And that is what you will be facing when you obey God's command to go and make disciples. But don't be intimidated. Because you have a secret weapon. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You are not going out there alone. Here's what God's word says in Zechariah 4 and 6. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord yes. of hosts. And the apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 6 and 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood... But against, rulers of, but against rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Wow, that sounds, sounds kind of scary, doesn't it? Contraire, Pierre. Jesus promised, I am with you always. And if God is for us, who could be against us? Yeah. Romans 8.31. And it also tells us, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Ephesians 6 and 10. Notice it does not say that you're going to be going strong in your own power, but in the strength of his might. Yeah. That's your secret weapon. If he's with you, who is against you? It reminds me of a story that I've told you, but some of you might have not heard it. Hold on to your Don't laugh at me. Growing up, I was a grandma's boy. I was pampered. I was always dressed properly, and I wasn't allowed to go outside the borders of my yard. And I was growing up in a tough neighborhood. And my mom saw that, says, Mom, told her, my grandma, you're, you're raising a sissy. So she signed me up at the boys' club and made me go. And I remember my grandma was just wringing her hands, and I went. Here's this starch iron kid and a group of street kids. Guess who is easy pickings? 
But you know, there was this guy, the toughest guy. I'd not kid you, his name was Rocky. Rocky took a liking to me and became, became my champion. Everywhere I went, Rocky was there defending me. So I got cocky. What? what? I had Rocky. Rocky taught me how to box. Rocky taught me how to play football. Rocky toughened me up. I kind of, I don't know if you've known the cartoons, Spike, that big old bulldog, and the little yappy dog. Hey, what are we going to do now, Spike? That was me and Rocky. And I wasn't Spike. <laughs> but then, I don't know what happened. Rocky disappeared. I don't know whether he moved away or tough neighborhood. He went to jail or what. But by that time, Rocky had built me up and people didn't mess with me too much. Plus, I had a growth spurt. And I was head and shoulders above everybody else. So when you go, you have a champion, yes. God. He will be your defender. He will be your power. Like I mentioned earlier, every church has a command to go and make disciples. Bethel Christian Center is sending and supporting ministers of the gospel. To mention a couple, we have teens going to the Horton Road complex, apartment complex, and in February, we're sending the team to Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Another way we obey this command is by supporting missionaries around the world. Let me just take a moment here to remind you that this coming Sunday, being the first Sunday of the month, is one we have dedicated for you to give to missions. It does not have to be much, because some people don't have much to give. But think about if we all give a little something, the end result will be significant. So why should we give to missions? Why should I give my hard-earned money to someone I do not know, you may ask? First of all, as the missions director of this church, I have reviewed and I have vetted every ministry that we support, and I can assure you that I am very careful in allotting any money. So please see me if you have any questions. See me after or, or Sunday as to where the money is going. I'll be glad to tell you. So as you give your money on Sunday, you can be assured that it's going to a ministry demonstrated that they are doing the Great Commission. Yes. Another reason that we give to missions, as I have mentioned several times, Bethel Christian Center gives to missionaries because we are commanded by the Word of God. Jesus gave us that command which we call the Great Commission, to go and make disciples. There are peoples all over the world. There's peoples that I cannot even hope to reach. I, I cannot afford 
to go to India and stay there for an extended period. I do not know the culture. I do not know the language, but we do know a pastor, Pastor Moses Shudre, who lives there, who speaks the language, and has shown by the fruits of his labor to have a very effective ministry. So every month, we send him funds to keep his ministry going. And there are peoples in this church that can speak to people that I can't speak to. And there are people that I can speak to that you're not going to be able to speak to. So we go. The Bible addresses this in Romans 10, 13. And he assures us in verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, period. If you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. How then, he asked, will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? That's where you and I and Bethel Christian Center come in. We give to send someone. But that's just one way. That's the convenient, don't get your hands dirty kind of way. But I call on you, there's other ways that you give. You pray for the missionaries. You know, most of them have families that they take with them and they need to provide for them and they need to protect them because they're in some very dangerous places. You pray for the people they are ministering to that their hearts may be open to receive the word and you pray for their protection once they receive because in some places it is dangerous to receive the word. Also, another thing you can do is encourage and remind one another that the first Sunday of the month is Missions Giving Sunday. Some of our families here at Bethel Christian Center are also involved in giving directly to missionaries. I know that there are several sponsoring children from Prison Ministries International. By the way, we're going to have another sponsorship Sunday early next year to give an opportunity for other people to sponsor. And like others, Josie and I have sponsored several other AG ministries in the past, AG meaning Assemblies of God. And all of these missionaries I mentioned here are already out there. On the field. They have established ministries. But then Jesus calls their attention to another need in Matthew 9, verse 36. He said, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, 
The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And we all have a part in this process. In 1 Corinthians 3, we are taught that some plant and some water, but it is God that gives the the increase. So it is to this end that we pray to the Lord of the harvest to move in people to go into the harvest field. Who knows, You sit, one of you sitting here may be pray, praying like the prophet Isaiah and say, Lord, send me. We have a young man that grew up in this church, Colin Smith. Proud parents are right there. He is soliciting sponsors to go to Mali in Africa. Pray for Colin. And if the Lord leads you, support Colin with some money so he could meet his goal to go and visit. And if he decides to go and make it a permanent, then I will ask him to come and share his heart here on a Wednesday night as soon as I coordinate it with Colin and with Pastor. We need to send people. Also pray that the Lord will raise up more people here in this congregation and pray for their protection. You know, some ministries go to places where they are in constant danger. 2 Thessalonians 3 says... Finally, brothers, pray for us that the, Lord of, that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. Like Paul, some of our missionary brothers are in danger. They are in communist, they are in Muslim, and they are in Hindu countries where speaking the name of Christ is punishable by death. So our responsibility does not end when we drop a check into the plate. We need to hold them up in prayer. We need to encourage them, maybe send them an email or a card. There's a verse in scripture that I want to point out at this point as another reason to give to missions. Luke 12 and 48 says, Everyone to whom much is given, of him much is required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand demand more. Look around you. How has God blessed you? I am confident in saying that most of you, if not all, sitting here are doing pretty good. Oh, you might not have millions, but you're not homeless. Everyone has something to give. Everyone has something to spare. Scripture teaches us a few concepts. I call them kingdom principles. One of those concepts is the concept of sowing and reaping. 2 Corinthians 9 says in verse 6, 
The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one of us must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Those of you who garden understand this. If you plant a little, you will have a little crop. If you plant a lot, you will have a big crop. Here the Apostle Paul is speaking about giving. If you are miserly in your giving to God, God will give you a little back. But if you're generous, then God will be generous with you. And I, my life is a witness to this principle. Just last month, I, I, uh, I got a letter from, from the Social Security office that tells me that <clears throat> they made a calculation error in figuring my uh, deductions and I was going to get an extra $450 in my check in August. Might be not a lot to some of you guys, but to us retired folks, $450 is a nice chump of change. And I raised three kids in California on $895 a month. That's just a little bit over minimum wage then. And Josie was making minimum wage. I don't know how we made it, but once we started giving, our money just seemed to go, go farther. We started getting promotions and we started getting raises. Like I said, these are principles that God has established, like gravity. You don't believe in gravity? Don't, don't walk out the top of this building because you'll find out true. It's how true it is. And the same thing applies to sowing and reaping. They were established by God. What he says, he will do. Matthew 6 and 20 tells us, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Where are you investing your money? Invested in God's work. You will be richly rewarded. When I was invested in my retirement, I saw my check and I saw money that was being taken out. Of, and, and, and I was very tempted to stop the deduction because I needed the money sometimes. It was hard. But I resisted. And boy, was I glad. The same it was when it came to write my tithe check. Boy, I was sure tempted at times. But I know that someday I will say, Boy, I'm sure glad I didn't. Even here and now. Like I said about Social Security. It's not just for then. It's for now. When Jesus was asked, and I'm hurrying along because I have something else to do. When Jesus was asked, which was the greatest commandment that this is how he replied in Matthew 22. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend all the law and prophets. Love your neighbor 
as yourself. Now that's a mouthful, but it is an awesome concept, but it's in concept, but it's so difficult to live out. Think about how it applies to the command, go and make disciples. If one of your children and someone you love dearly were in mortal danger, would you, how far would you go out to save them? If it was one, if it was me, I would do whatever it takes, even forfeit in my own life. Why? Because I love them. And Jesus told us to love our neighbor just like that. And folks, without Jesus, people are in mortal danger. People need the Lord. In doing this for his kingdom, we bring glory and honor to his name. And finally, I want to end with this picture of heaven as described in Revelations 13. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. We will all sing that in heaven someday. But we can start right now by reaching all the peoples we can for his honor and for his glory. I want us to listen to one more song. And I want us to meditate on it and what is being said here. And after the song, we're going to pray for some missionaries. Go ahead. Someone called your name We turned and saw this young man And he was smiling as he came And he said, friend You may not know me now And then he said, but wait You used to teach my Sunday school And I was only eight And every week say a prayer before the class would start and one day when you said that prayer I asked Jesus in my
Somehow touched by your generosity, little things that you had done, sacrifices made. I noticed on the earth, in heaven, now proclaimed. And I know up in heaven, you're not supposed. I am almost sure there were tears in your eyes as Jesus took your hand and you stood before the Lord. He said, "My child, look around you, for great is your reward." That was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am so glad you gave. Thank you for giving to. Won't you consider giving a little bit extra for missions this Sunday? But make sure you put it on the envelope and mark it as missions. We support several missions in this church, and one of the things other than giving to them, we pray for them. So I've asked a couple of our leaders in church to pray for one of our missionaries, our missionary to India, Pastor, uh, Pastor Moses Shudre. Pastor, if you could say a short prayer for him.
Thank you, Pastor. We also support the ministers in Guatemala and Nicaragua. And I've asked Sister Teresa to pray for them. Sister Teresa. We have another ministry we support called the Children Evangelism. They provide for our children, and I have asked Brother Jin Ho to pray for them. John Blake.
we support a church of Navajos in Arizona, Pastor Darwin Sosi. I will pray for them. Won't you agree with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for this humble man of God. Father, that is facing an almost impossible task of evangelizing the Navajo Indians. He's, he's, he's Father, fighting not only the enemy, Father. He's, he's trying to evangelize, Father, people that are, that are in bondage, Father, to the Navajo tradition. Some are in bondage to the, to the uh, peyote, Father. And at the same time, they're fighting, Father, the, the own, their own Navajo council, Lord that won't even let them drill a well, Father. That won't let them do anything unless they give their permission, and their permission is always years slow in coming. So I ask, Father, that you break that, and that you provide for this humble man of God that I have met personally. And just in a couple of days that we were there, I fell in love with him and his wife. Bless them, Father. Bless them, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. We have a young lady in Chi Alpha at North NC State that she is also going to Mali. And I have asked Brother Larry to pray for her. And finally, we as a organization, the Full Gospel Fellowship has taken Prison Fellowship International, a ministry started by Chuck Holson. Um, if you don't know his story, I'll ask me and I'll tell you about him. I have asked Brother Matt if he wouldn't pray for that ministry, especially for the children's sponsorship ministry.
I wanted you to take a moment and just bow your heads and meditate on the word. We're out of time. But I want to take just another couple of minutes for God to minister to you and to speak to you about missions. Ask him to put a burden in your heart for a people's, a missionary group. Thank you, Father, for this time that you have given us to just, even for a few minutes, Father, just to meditate, just to know, Father, to raise awareness that there are peoples throughout this world, Father, that need the Lord. People that have not heard, Father. There are peoples, Father, that they have been blinded by tradition. They have been blinded, Father, by false religion, Father. And we need people to go and to make disciples of these nations. So, Father, I pray that you will raise up an army, Father, of harvesters, of laborers into the field, Father. Father, move in people's hearts, Father. If we can't go, Father, then let us send people to go. Let us finance people to go, Father. Hallelujah. I pray for Colin, Father, as he has had this stirring in his heart, Father, for missions. That you, Father, would nurture that. Nurture that and give him a passion for the peoples of Africa, Father. Or wherever it is that you want to send him, Father. Hallelujah. And that even here, as, as Brother Michael, Pastor Michael ministers, that there will be some, some of the kids there that will start, Father, to have a hunger and a passion for a peoples, not in their family, Father. Somebody out there that they can go. And they don't have to go far. Durham, Father, is a mission field. So thank you. Open our eyes and give us passion. Now as our people go, I, I pray your blood upon them. I plead the blood of Jesus upon yes, them. Lord. I plead the Holy Spirit will be on them so powerfully, Father, that as they go out in the doors and into the parking lot, that they realize that now they're in the mission field. Right then and there. Right everything they say and do. At Walmart, at Food Lion, at Kroger's, at the gas station. Give them somebody to talk to, Father, to bring you honor and glory, and blessing. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being attentive. I apologize we didn't have prayer around the altar. The, the music ministry has to practice now. But I'm sure they won't mind. If you want to pray, I'll be here with you. God bless you.